This is the Action Network Podcast. You can hear the chatter from the crowd. We have a big chance, a big chance to make a run for some big bucks. Three-pointer, bang! Oh, what a man! Welcome to the Action Network Podcast presented by FanDuel. I'm your host, Gilles Gallant, with the Action Network, and today... We have our final NBA draft betting preview with Action Network betting experts Brian Fonseca and Luke Swain, a.k.a. Vegas Refund. Now, before uh, Brian and Luke let us know kind of what they're thinking about the draft, friendly reminder, the draft is tomorrow, Thursday, June 22nd. We're still going to have more draft content from our action experts like Brandon Anderson and Matt Moore. They'll be over on our NBA podcast buckets, as well as the favorites podcast with Chad and Simon Check those out as well. All right, gentlemen, last week when we opened the show, we talked about why we loved betting on the NBA draft. And late Tuesday night kind of illustrated that to the fullest because we have seen odds flip now for the number two and number three pick twice since we have done the first podcast, which was last Monday. So I'll give our listeners a quick recap. So after we did the show last week, multiple reports come out that Charlotte was taking Scoot Henderson at number two. Other teams, maybe like the Pelicans, were interested in trading up for Scoot as well. As a result, the market flipped. Scoot was minus 225 to go number two until late Tuesday night when both Woj and John Gavoni both go on SportsCenter and say that Charlotte was impressed with Brandon Miller, brought him in for a second workout, and that he is going to be the number two pick. The market flips immediately. Brandon Miller has been being steamed all day at FanDuel to go number two, seeing it as high as minus 650, which is an 86% implied probability. Scoot dropping down to plus 370 to go second at FanDuel. So gentlemen, I'll ask you both this. How do we bet these markets now? Because is there a chance for another flip between number two and number three for Brandon Miller and Scoot? Luke, I'll let you go first. So, I mean, it's, it's crazy. I feel like I'm, I, I, we're stuck in a loop. I mean, from the NBA draft last year to the NFL draft with Stroud a couple months ago, and now this, where we have guys just flip-flopping odds again. And I will say, and on the last pod, um, I was getting, I did mention about getting like Scoot vibes. And of course, Scoot became the favorite over the last five days. And now Miller really based off of Waj's um, bit on ESPN yesterday um, is the heavy favorite, which he got it totally wrong last year. Um, and it is funny because I want to say like really based off of him getting Jabari Paolo wrong last year, I do think we're getting like less steam than we would have if he didn't. We're like Miller might have might like this time last year, Miller would be like minus a thousand or higher, just purely based off of Waj. And now he's sitting at minus 300, minus 400, et cetera. And he still was, he's still the most connected person we have. And if anything, um, he's due for a bounce back after getting last year, totally wrong. Um, and you want to, you want to hope that he has a little bit more motivation to get this one. Right. And I do think in the context that he put last night, which he is historic, he like he's notorious for kind of beating around the bush and not being direct about, um, what the pick is going to be, or like, he'll be like team X is honing in on player. Like why? For last night, he was like very, very like direct. He's like basically saying that Miller is becoming the favorite. Um, and I, I did buy it more than I would. And 
I do think he should be the favorite. I don't know. I would never lay these odds right now. Um, if you don't believe it and you think Scoot is going to go number two, uh, you're probably within that window because these things are going to, the odds are going to move again. Uh, it could flip flop. You could totally arbit, but I really don't think the two, three pick is very bettable at this point. So Brian, by that logic, we talked about this off air. Should we be buying the dip for the number two pick now for Scoot? <laughs> I mean, look, if you're not going to do it now, then just don't do it because it's plus 370. If you think Scoot is going to be the number one, number two overall pick, and you're like, to hell with Woj's reporting, then now would be the time to buy that. <laughs> look, Woj is, is, it's like Luke just said, he's probably the most plugged in guy when it comes to the NBA. Doesn't mean you're batting a thousand. Nobody does. And we saw this with the draft last year. So, you know, it's warranted to look at this with a healthy bit of skepticism. And I think the number for Brandon Miller at minus 650 is like, it's kind of crazy considering where we just were with Scoot Henderson being the favorite yesterday at, I believe, minus 220 at one point and probably, you know, different depending on the books you're looking at. But it looked almost solidified like, all right, this is where we are, but this is the draft and this is what can happen. And this is the craziness that comes with it in the days leading up to it. Things can change. Um, and with Charlotte, though, I mean, if you're looking at it from a basketball standpoint, right, the case for this is kind of, if you look on the court, Brandon Miller would just come in and fill out what Miles Bridges, Miles Bridges was for them in terms of a forward who is athletic, who can do some things with the ball, who can be a complementary piece to LaMelo Ball. And if you look at it from that perspective, it's like, okay, even from a basketball perspective, this makes more sense than Scoot Henderson and LaMelo Ball being in the same backcourt. So you can talk yourself into it that way too. And with Scoot Henderson, yeah, if if Portland is going to move off Damian Lillard, which we don't know, Woj is also reporting as of today that da that the Portland Trailblazers are not taking calls on Damian Lillard right now, which we all know they're probably like, maybe there's some truth to that. But as soon as the draft happens, we're going to know what Portland's actually going to do next because they're going to either use or keep the number three overall pick. And then we'll sort of figure out the Damian Lillard thing as it goes. That affects what we're going to see in the draft ultimately, because Scoot Henderson might go to Portland. But I think right now, ultimately, if you think Scoot Henderson is going to be the number two overall pick, then now would be the time to buy it. For me, the number two overall pick is kind of just a stay away because I, I don't have a handle on who's actually going to be number two at this point because it's gone back and forth so many times. I think basketball-wise, one thing makes sense. I think uh, player-wise, another thing makes sense because to me, basketball-wise, Brandon Miller is a better fit in Charlotte, Scoot Henderson in a post-Damian Lillard society in Portland, potentially. But if you're asking me who's the better player, is Scoot Henderson – but in terms of betting on the draft, neither of those things matter. Yeah, and I think the the key thing, too, that we both, all of us really can't fathom at this stage or at least materialize is the potential for trades as we get closer to the draft that a team might you know pay the price and be willing to trade up to Charlotte to give them what they want to get Scoot, like a Pelicans could. Or even that the number three pick where the Blazers might just say, you know what, the Scoot pick isn't going to work. We're going to keep Dame. We got to fish him out too. But at the same time, they're all going second or third. Luke, I wanted to ask you this because you compile consensus, basically mock drafts where you're able to kind of determine, you know, a draft slot for each respective player. And this week specifically, everybody's coming out of the woodwork with a mock draft. Uh, people who aren't insiders, you'll see them, you know, random publications, some influence <laughs> the markets, some mm -hmm. don't. 
I wanted to know from your perspective, especially as somebody who sees all these come through and then seeing these new ones come through late in the week, how do we parse through that? How do we find the credible info? Do we just stick with the core five? Is there anybody maybe that is cracking that top five where they're able to maybe move some markets in and influence some betting? Yeah. So as I like, I usually like NFL draft, I start the sheet a lot earlier than the NBA um, because there's just less info with the NBA. And as we get closer to the draft date, I really start to narrow the mocks down where if you looked at the sheet a week or two ago, I was probably tracking like 30 plus mocks. And as of today, I'm tracking about like 20. Um, So I'm kind of trimming the fat and really just Mm. focusing on the people that like we think are connected or are good at mocks. And those four, like the Wasserman, Cavoni, Bassini, and O'Connor, like definitely the core four. And you can totally tell. And when I'm entering in like an updated mock, like I'm just up, I'm not like deleting it, then adding it. I'm kind of like, and I'll see where the last mock was and where the updated position is for that player. And like the biggest telltale is like if they had a player like in the 30s or the late 20s, then I move them into the teens. Like that's like a big move depending on who it is. And um, you kind of just have to pay attention to those. And then also like really like the ones that I've cut, like I don't even look at anymore Um, Mm. because in the main guys, like those core four updating it multiple times within the next 24 hours, um, which is key. And like really reading the context within each pick is probably the most important part is at this point because they'll say like the other options for this pick and if the player's stock is falling or rising etc which is like the intel stuff um, within the mocks there's even more important probably than where they actually are putting the pick well one of the things too uh, brian we talked about this off air about some of these drafts that come out this week and how they'll take some wild swings on guys that are probably consensus in between five or seven, but then they'll slot them in at like 13 or something like that. You're just like, how did you get to this logical ending? And as someone who is probably reading some of these mocks and having the same questions I am, how do we make sure that we're not being married to that info and sticking to our guns? I mean, you got to be alert. First and foremost, it's not easy because as you said, there's so many people doing it at this point, right? And I will remind people it's lying season. It's smoke screen season. Like this is what's going on in terms of uh, NBA draft world, reporting world and reporting world with air quotes. Uh, so one of the answers could be, yeah, just pray the other one, just be alert, know what you're uh, looking at and see how really things align with these mock drafts. Because, you know, if, if there's a trend where everybody has somebody going somewhere, everybody, which has happened before, right? then that's something worth paying attention to. If somebody else is all over the place, maybe that's a player you want to stay from betting on. And if you're looking at, you know, the core four, as Luke said, you know, uh, if you're looking at Draft Express, obviously they're very reputable. Like there's somebody you're going to look at. Um, the Ringer Tankathon uh, also has a mock, you know, Bleacher Report. Like we'll, we'll compile all of them and sort of see. But I think uh, I think aggregating them is important in terms of seeing like who's going where and what range and also understanding that how front offices work because play teams like the heat the raptors the spurs though this year may be less relevant because we know who the spurs are getting but teams have a certain archetype they want to go for they have certain roster needs that they need Mm -hmm. to account for um if guys are going to be on the move 
Like if you know if you know the Bulls are going to potentially blow it up, they're probably going to go best player available. If you know that there's a positional fit somewhere else, like those kind of things are other things to look out for as well. For sure. And those three teams that you mentioned are notorious for being tight lipped as far as what their intentions are. So if unless it's a credible reporter that's in that market that is reporting that, sometimes I usually just kind of disregard. Like if you're a national reporter uh, talking about what the Spurs and Greg Popovich are going to do outside of, you know, this year. I'm usually not going to take too much. I'll take it with a grain of salt, I guess is what I would say, just because again, they're usually pretty close to the best on sharing what they intend to do. Now, as far as intentions go, uh, the over under markets can really show some intentions of teams as far as the way that those players are moving and rising up the draft boards and look now, uh, Luke, we just joked about this. Some markets are opening up for over under markets for certain players, just as we, even as we get closer to the draft, but a lot of those original ones, the ones that we talked about last week, and even coming into today, a lot of them have seemingly been, steamed out is kind of what I all outrageous odds on one side, maybe minus 200 or more, whether that be to go under their draft slot or over. But this year I asked you this last week, who was this year's Jalen Williams, the guy who went 13th overall to the Oklahoma city thunder. And that seems to be Kobe Bufkin from the Michigan Wolverines. Uh, When you were tracking this bet in the action network app, uh, you had it around 14 and a half is what you tracked it at. And that line has since moved at sports books to 12 and a half with the under already at like minus 160 at FanDuel. Um, is there a chance that this stage with the way that he's rising up boards that maybe we could see him uh, get into a top 10 position or maybe a team who trades up to the top 10 for Buffkin, seeing him around plus 200 right now for a top 10 pick? So I, I actually tracked that under 16 and a half which gives you an idea of like just how much it's crazy moved. movement um, where it was Jalen Williams last year, um, Chris Toronto the year before, and both those unders hit. And it's even at 11 and a half at this point, which I think the tipping point for like my interest in terms of the over under would be 13 and a half. Uh, there are rumors that like the Raptors are like the promise for him um, and just with trades, et cetera. 12 and a half, 11 and a half, it's just getting really, really tight at that point. You might mm-hmm. as well just be betting like a top 10 pick or like exact odds. Um, but yeah, I mean, you couldn't convince me to bet an over on this guy um, at any point right now. Like even at 11 and a half, 12 and a half, it's, it's still an under and his stock is just scorching. Um, and other guys are following because of it where his under getting steamed and his momentum being so on fire is pushing guys like Grady Dick, Case and Wallace, those types of guys further back where Case and Wallace is over under was at 12 and a half. And now it's at 13 and a half and the over is getting crushed. And I still think Case and depending on the juice is probably one of the better overs you can bet given the market, uh, even though I'm on his under, of course. Uh, but yeah, it, he's, yeah, I don't think there's any four. Like I would, will not be shocked. Like I'm almost He's one of the best top 10 bets you can make. I won't be shocked if he goes eight or nine. Him or Bilal, it's going to get in the top 10, I think. Brian, are you buying the Buffkin hype or are you saying no thanks based on what you saw of Michigan playing this year? Well, I'll take the alley-oop because Bilal <laughs> Kulabali is probably the one that I'm looking at in the top 10 right now. Uh, I do think Kobe, yeah, yeah, I do think Kobe Buffkin can get there, but Bilal Kulabali, like he's he's kind of gotten the Wimbanyama bump because he played with him in France, but he's also, he has a lot of those tools. We talked about this last week 
he has what a lot of NBA teams like in terms of being a big-ish wing who has a lot of tools you can refine that if he really develops the way he could, he could be one of the best players in this draft. And I think more teams are seeing that now. He was mocked sort of all over the place over the last few weeks. You saw him at 25. You saw him at in that 15 to 18, 19 range. And now you're seeing some mock drafts where he's climbed not only into the lottery, but to the top 10. And right now, I think he has enough steam to where he can land into that back part, that ninth, 10th pick maybe. And right now, for him to be a top 10 pick, Bilal Koulibaly, that's plus 210. I think that's that's something, I mean, obviously you weren't going to get that number before. It was going to be a lot more profitable because the rise didn't sort of come, but we're here now. And I think Bilal Koulibaly is somebody to look at in terms of being this year's Jalen Williams, perhaps. And he's kind of that, the overseas mystery man that people are still learning about that he wasn't playing that well early on in the year with Metropolitans and then sort of picked it up and you're seeing the flashes and there are some some roadmaps to him becoming a really good NBA player. And he's still a teenager. Like he's one of these guys in this draft who's really young, 18, 19 years old. Yeah, yeah he's for the, the youngest top, guy in the draft. Sorry, and for the top 10, like there's outs for even both of them to get in where like you, you have the Jazz at eight. Nine. No, you have the Wizards nine. at eight, Jazz at nine. And mm-hmm. then the Mavs at 10, which it seems like a trade is already in place. Like mm-hmm. every rumor you're hearing is, which lively is the consensus favorite who has plus 200 as well to go 10, but it feels like the 10 is as good. It's almost as good as like done in terms of that, a team trading out, which very well could be like a team like the Raptors, et cetera, to trade in to the 10 spot, which that's, let's just say two and a half outs for those two guys. Um, assuming in black and well, black would have to go probably six for him to go for those two to be open, but still all three of them, eight, nine, 10. For sure, yeah. And what you mentioned earlier, I thought was a key point that if if Kobe Bufkin's stock is rising to go perhaps in the top 10, that means guys like Bilal or even a, a Grady Dick couldn't necessarily drop out of the top 10. Brian, I wanted to ask you, if if a better is looking at Bilal and Bufkin between those two, they're both around plus 200, plus 210 to go in the top 10. Would you prefer Bilal over Kobe Bufkin at this point? At this point? I think he has more intrigue. Uh, for me personally and for, you know, other people and teams and things of that nature. So, yeah, I would probably lean that way. And then Grady Dick as well, who could potentially drop out of the top 10. I mean, he was the Gatorade player of the year last year, played really well with Kansas. Uh, top 10 picks sitting there around plus 300. Uh, the ninth and 10th pick, it was, we just mentioned both the Jazz and the Mavericks could use a shooter that, and a player like him. Mm-hmm. Do you think there's some value to still be looking at Grady Dick at top 10 or should we maybe steer clear off of that? I think... Last week was a good time to jump on it. The odds are still relatively the same, like in terms of value. But now there are questions about, okay, there is a world because this is a draft. You have to account for just unpredictability. There's a world where both guys were talking about Kobe Bufkin and Bilal Koulibaly are in a top 10. And then it's like Grady Dick seems to be one of the two who would slide down, you know, and he would then be in that 12, 14, 13 range or something along those lines. I still think it makes a lot of sense for Grady Dick to go nine or 10, but that doesn't really matter in terms of how this could play out. Because again, Bilal Koulibaly has more intrigue. Kobe Bufkin is sort of one of these late risers that we're accounting for now. Grady Dick does profile as a type of guy who would go in the lottery. Doesn't mean he has to go in the top 10 though, because he's a big wing. He could shoot one of the best shooters in the draft. Uh, Grady Dick going to Utah, the jokes tell themselves and potentially going to Dallas as well. But 
it's right there for for somebody to take it. Is there a world where all three of them get in the top 10? That's a little bit harder to see because then you have to parse through, okay, early on, it's in whatever order, Wembanyama, Brandon Miller, Scoot Henderson, Jarris Walker will be somewhere there. Anthony Black will be somewhere there. Obviously, the Thompson Twins, at least Amen, right? At least him. And then you're going on down the line and it's like, all right, how many spots left are we accounting for? Then you're just running out of things at that point. I was even just going to say like, you know, Jairus Walker, Anthony Black, uh, both the Thompson twins, uh, Cam Whitmore, who has seen his stock drop, obviously, mm-hmm. with some bad workout reports. But I mean, he was touted as high as the fifth pick in, in certain spots. So somebody's going to get bop- bumped out of this top 10. So just to recap, you're going to be taking Bilal Koulibaly, uh in the top 10 at this point. Sorry, Luke, go ahead. And just to piggyback off that uh, Grady Dick, uh, where I want to say like the two over-unders that are probably like the most sure things at this point uh, that are juiced out and depending on how much juice you can stomach because draft juice isn't relative to the game like we discussed last week, but a specific book lets you parlay draft over-unders and it's cross-board parlaying. So it would be like a draft prop. NBA draft prop, NHL draft prop, NBA draft prop, literally anything else, which the black under eight and a half and Grady Dick over 10 and a half, I think are the two best parlay legs of these over-unders right now um, in the market where I think they're both like minus 300 and they might as well be like minus a million at this point, um, given if there's no chaos, which there could be, but um, and Grady Dick's going towards like the 11 and a half range in most books and Black is just sitting at eight and a half and I've used both of those on multiple parlays myself. Yeah, absolutely. And Anthony Black's stock is somebody that even though it was never foreseeable that he would drop out of the top 10, as we get closer to the draft, you know, eight almost seems too late now. It seems like it's could be six uh, to the magic. Uh, Now, Luke, last week you told us now, this is something that if betters would have got in on this, they'd have the value at this stage. It was specifically for a matchup market. And you had said, take Jairus Walker from the Houston Cougars over Osir Thompson. And it was at plus 150. So the way that works is you are projecting that Jairus Walker, we had picked over that specific Thompson twin since then that has since flipped to minus 135 for Walker mm-hmm. and plus 105 for Osir. So again, anybody who was listening last week, you got some great value on that pick. Luke, I just asking from the heavens here, can you please bless us with another gem for draft betting? Well, and, uh, and going off of that, which I'm not the biggest fan of arbing or like hedging or anything, where when I made that recommendation, Whitmore was still in the top five. Like we considered it a lock. And with Whitmore falling, it has definitely changed the dynamic where the Pistons pick is up for grabs. And I think the Rockets at four is still up for grabs too. And the mocks I'm seeing from the guys that matter within the specifically today, Asar is trending hard at pick five and James Edwards, who's probably the Pistons insider that I respect most, like his job is with the Pistons. And he kind of started the whole Whitmore fall where he, I think it was on a podcast with the Vicini. He said that the Pistons have no interest in Whitmore. His workouts were awful. He's going to fall, et cetera. And Asar is, is number one on his Pistons big board. And he's kind of been pumping the Asar bandwagon for the last two days to go five. Um, and if you're into Arbing, I would not be against just taking the SAR uh, and counting your small margins, depending on what numbers you get. Um, Wins so a win. That, that's a disclaimer for that. But my first one I'm going to bring up, and these odds are fluctuating, 
Um, I'm going to go with Jordan Walsh first round, which depending on the book that you're looking at, you can see anywhere from plus 400 to plus a thousand. And they were 30 to one yesterday. But Jordan Walsh is a guy that I think can jump into the end of the first round and the Denver Nuggets before we recorded made a trade into the first round and they flopped with, they flipped with the Pacers and the Nuggets would be a perfect spot for Jordan Walsh. But he's just a guy that you've seen in the quote unquote Intel reports, whatever media outlet, he is a riser. And then Wasserman, who's one of my core four, probably number one going to this year. He's been updating his mock like live, like three or four times a day. Um, no notification. You just have to check. And he put Walsh in the first round yesterday, which was very telling for me. Cause when you get a guy like that's so random, like Walsh that hasn't been in any of the mocks up until the day before, like, that's not like he's putting in the, him in the first round. Cause he ranks him very high. Like he's putting him in the first round. Cause he's probably hearing something, which Walsh could have stayed in college. It was somewhat like questionable that he was going into the draft. Cause people really didn't see it. And when someone like Walsh, goes into the draft, you kind of have to read the tea leaves where he has an expectation probably higher, whether it's a promise or whatever it is relative to like the public's perception, which is the first round you would have to assume. Um, and he's a defensive beast, which translates well. He's just a rock solid prospect that you're going to have on your team for the next 10 years. Like he's never going to be a superstar, but when you're in the end of the first round, like these are the type of guys you want. Um, and it's just, it's, it's an easy one for not a lot of bets that are out there first round wise that still have value. Walsh, I would still play at four to one, five to one, six, whatever it is. Um, it's a good one. All right, I would not, lay. <laughs> I would no, not no, lay the juice uh, on him, but plus money. Yeah. Yeah. Jordan Walsh, uh, Razorbacks uh, first round sitting right now at plus 400 at FanDuel to go in the first round. We'll talk about more first round picks that we like uh, when we get closer to the end of the show. But Brian, I wanted to ask you a question because of what Luke just mentioned about how the Detroit beat writers are, you know, bringing the flag for Osir Thompson to go fifth overall. And right now at FanDuel, as we were recording, these odds have flipped where Jairus Walker was the favorite to go fifth overall when we first started the show at plus 180 <laughs> and has since flipped now with Osir being the favorite at plus 150 and Walker has since dropped to plus 210. We hmm. talked about him going fifth overall to the Pistons last week. It, it, are we late to the bus on this? Are, like, Should we still consider Jairus Walker at fifth overall or are we going to give credence to this uh, report coming out of Detroit? You could because there was a report either yesterday or the day before, I'm forgetting, from Jonathan Cavoni who said, look, Utah is a team that could trade up to number five and target Jairus Walker. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, Cavoni's obviously another one of these guys that you look at this time of year or whatever. So I, it feels like it feels like number two overall is going to be between us here, Thompson and Jairus Walker. Maybe that's going to play out that way. I, I like Jairus Walker there still, whether or not uh, the Pistons have the pick. Uh, well, then again, it depends on who's trading for it, right? If they do, in fact, trade the pick. For Detroit, it does make a lot of sense, though. And he's somebody who worked out with them. Uh, apparently, it went well. And with the Detroit Pistons, they do have a lot of options, though, because they have Ivy already. They have Cade Cunningham. And it's basically like you know that they're not going to draft small at that position. If they get a wing, it's going to be a big wing. If they get a big it's probably not going to be a true center because they're still testing out the whole James Wiseman thing <laughs> and seeing what's going to happen there. And Boyan Bogdanovich is somebody who's probably going to be traded to make room for whoever they draft. 
So we have to account for that as well because there are going to be subsequent trades, draft night trades, free agency trades. And I will remind people when betting on the draft, also consider that some of the trades that that may or may not happen that stem from this might not play out until later in the summer because they take a while ultimately to put together. But yeah, I still like Jairus Walker at number five. Um, even though the momentum literally shifted from the time we started this show through now, and we'll see where it ends up tomorrow, but I do still like him there, uh, assuming that the Pistons get, have the pick. If Utah trades up, that's something that makes sense. But ultimately, it depends because if there's a trade, uh, say to, I don't know, the Pacers or somebody like that, I'm just naming a random team, then maybe that's a spot where Thompson would make a little bit more sense as opposed to Walker. And given what they're looking for in terms of player profile, that might make sense. So, you know, it all depends. It's all relative. But as you can see, things are really shifting now. And I think I think there's good value with uh, with Jarris Walker still, even though even though Thompson's really gaining some steam at number five at this point. And and I trade so like trades like trades for the NFL draft. I really just kind of ignore because the value of like a draft pick in the first round in the NFL is a lot more than a first round pick in the NBA. Cause once you get past like the top five picks, let's just say like the value, like really falls off a cliff and the over under for trades, I think is eight, which you, you can't like discount trade rumors where like the Pistons are definitely one of those trade spots that is like probably more likely than unlikely possibly. But at the same time, the NBA, the beauty of the NBA draft is like we have a consensus eight or nine guys and in a positionless league, like that order can be multiple different orders. And it's really not going to have a domino effect after that. It would in the NFL because the NFL, like if a corner goes in a spot, you think a quarterback's going to go like that quarterback is going to get scooped up by like, he might fall. He might go where the domino effect in a draft where needs are more crucial in the NFL doesn't have the same effect where this order of the top eight or nine can really go anyway. And the trade could go and the same guy we think and just won't have a ripple effect relative. And we could still be totally safe, whether a Sarah goes five or six or seven. Momentum was the key thing that you had brought up, uh, Brian, about how a lot of things happening. You know, uh, we talked about even guys that might even uh, land in the top 10 and the green room invites. You're starting to see that kind of report coming out. And one guy who got a green room invite that, You want to talk about steam. Like I didn't even know, like I barely even knew that this guy played, Um, (laughs) but uh, Olivier Max Prosper right now wasn't even listed last week, for example, to either go in the first round or as a top 20 pick, but it's since been reported that he has gotten the green room invite and odds obviously moved accordingly. Brian, are you buying the hype on him? Do you think he could go top 20, seeing it right now around plus 125 for him to be drafted in the top 20 of this draft? I was at the Big East tournament where he was playing for Marquette. Uh, I was covering it, and I had talked to multiple people, NBA people, who were who were very impressed with his activity, his effort. Uh, at the time, he was maybe a second-round pick. You know, wasn't somebody that you really thought of in terms of getting into this draft. Uh, in that way and he's been working out really well for teams there are teams that like him uh reportedly and he's somebody who you can sort of see what he is at the nba level i don't think he's going to be a star necessarily but you see what teams like he's a hustle guy he's going to be potentially a high level role player for a long time if he can really get his three-point shot 
uh, straight in terms of uh, just being consistent with it. But he can plug a lot of holes. He's another one of these guys who's big, who's going to be a three, four, defend multiple positions. Like, this is what other NBA teams are looking for. They're looking for big wings who can be versatile, multi-positional. This is why his profile has risen. He plays really hard. And he's from Marquette. And Marquette has a pedigree of guys who have come through there who've played well in the NBA, Jimmy Butler being an example. <laughs> I Jay knew Crowder you were going to bring up example. Jimmy. I knew yeah, yeah, Jimmy. yeah. Jay Crowder being an example, like Marquette's and Shaka Smart coached him, which is enough, you know, bonus points for that, right? But I saw the green room invite, the green room invite, and I was like, oh, okay, so there's a real chance he goes top 20. And he was plus, I don't know where it is now because <laughs> the odds are changing literally as we speak, before we started plus 110 to go into the top 20. And you're giving me that it's like, I'm still going to take it, but we're getting to the point now where he's going to be almost a surefire <laughs> sort of top 20 pick at this point. And I know there are at least two teams in the top 20 that he's worked out really well with. They, they like him very much. Um, Don't know if those teams are going to keep their picks, but Omax prosper is like, he's another one we could be talking about in terms of, being one of the the Jalen Williams types in this year's draft. I don't think he's going to go as high. I don't think he's going to be a lottery pick, but I do think he can get into the top 20 in that in the late teens, so to speak, because yeah. of the momentum he's built as of late. Yeah, he's if there's a if there's a Jalen Williams for like the late first, he's him. Like he is just catapulted into it. Well, that's who I thought Jaime Jaquez would have been with UCLA because mm. initially I didn't think he was going to get first round buzz or maybe he would near the end. Well, now he, he's, he's like minus 1,000 for first yeah, round he, and he's got a green room he, invite too now. He might get the Sports Center bump. He was on Sports Center last night, you know, <laughs> doing the interview, wearing nice clothes or whatever. He might get the Sports Center bump for the NBA draft. You know, you never know. And there's one guy that didn't get a green room invite that like I'm like, I don't know. I've just been staring at him, uh, but Leonard Miller not getting a green room invite mm. is, I don't know what to think of it. I mean, we've got 25 green room invites and I think it's final at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, and he is a guy projected, has been projected in the top twenties. Uh, I don't know if it's like a G league thing or what, but I would, yeah, I, I don't even know. I can't even speak. Cause like, I, I don't know what to think of it. Um, and I know like the green room invites are, it's like a, they like pull the GMs, and they get all the GMs like top 25 and then they send them out based off of that. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that's insane too, especially with Omax, just where he did really well at the combine, you know, probably worked out for a couple of teams, definitely got a first round promise letter Miller uh, to be drafted in the top 20 sitting at FanDuel right now at plus plus one thirty. He had minus odds uh, last week when we were doing it. So again, you're seeing that shift. It doesn't always just uh, go under for these props. Some people, they like to bet the over on these and uh, to see them drop. And uh, so I just want to recap what Brian's got so far. So you've got the Jairus Walker. You still like him at five, uh, sitting around plus 210. And Omax uh, uh, Prosper uh, with Marquette to go in the top 20 at plus 110. Mm-hmm. Another player, though, who might have gotten a little bit of a sports center bump, not necessarily through a, a recent highlight, but because of his brother, was Chris Murray. Uh, seeing him right now, top 20, around plus 430. Seen him mocked a lot to the Kings, who pick around the 26 range. But, Brian, are you feeling Chris Murray to keep climbing and go into the top 20 this year, especially at plus 430? 
there were different times throughout even the college basketball season that he was mocked into the top 20 uh, pretty consistently. And, you know, sometimes you'll see like 22, 23, 25. Uh, so I'm at 18 a bunch this year. And I think, you know, with, with Murray, again, if you're looking at what NBA teams are looking for, this is a stretch for period hard stop. This is somebody who's going to play a position of need for a lot of different teams who's going to be shooting threes primarily who again could be multi-positional if you want to slide him into the three if you feel like he can hold defensively particularly at that position right and he's somebody what was the number it was plus 420 at this point like i i think i think i mean it's not it's not maybe considered a long shot yet at plus 420 but I do like those odds of him going in the top 20 because he fills a need for a bunch of teams sort of in the late teens. Uh, I do think he could slide out. Uh, He's definitely a first round pick. I do think he could slide out of the top 20 though, because again, there are other guys like Omax Prosper who's rising. Right. Mm -hmm. And if guys are rising, that means other guys are falling. And is Chris Murray going to be a byproduct of that? But you know, he obviously has the pedigree. Uh, His brother's already in the NBA, but the Sacramento Kings was surprisingly the fourth overall pick last year. And you know, is is this going to be is this going to be a, a time for Chris Murray to potentially get into the top twenty? I still think, especially at plus four twenty, if you're giving me that, yeah, I'm going to take a shot on it. I'm gonna I'm not going to throw a ton of money on it, but I'm still going to take a shot on it because he fills a need for a lot of different NBA teams. Who you know, he's worked out for some, and I feel like he's made enough of an impression, especially throughout the college basketball season, to sort of keep himself in the in the late teens, perhaps. Okay, so Omax top twenty at plus one ten. We're going to lock that in for Brian, but Chris Murray, if we are going to take it, especially at the plus 420, let's just do a little sprinkle. We don't have yeah, to do yeah. anything crazy where we don't all go, go to crazy. our bank account. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> all right. Let's move to what is considered my favorite market of the NBA draft process. And that is the first round pick market, because even in the top 20, we have a wide range of outcomes. When it comes to the first round, I feel like you can almost talk me into a almost any scenario for a player, just because a team could fall in love with uh, a certain player. All it takes is one team and uh, your ticket is pretty much live right up until the final pick of the first round. So, uh, which is why I know that casual betters, which I have no problem identifying myself as a casual better when it comes to the NBA draft. I love to bet this market. I know casual betters too. Gentlemen, who is on your radar as a bet to crack round one? No, I know you talked about uh, Jordan Walsh. Um, Cracking the first round from the Razorbacks, uh, Luke. So we'll start with Brian. If you've got anybody that you like to get into the first round, what kind of odds are we looking at? And are you looking at any long shots potentially to get into the first round? To get into the first round is always fun to look for long shots, right? I mentioned um, last week, Amani Bates, because using the, the whole Gatorade national player of the year thing, like these guys tend to go in the first round. Now, Monty Bates has since had some baggage from where he was before, obviously didn't really work out at Memphis, and then goes to Eastern Michigan, uh, puts up numbers, not super efficient, negative wingspan, um, and then, you know, has had some trouble off the court, but the talent was ridiculous. Reminding people again, he was, along with Chet Holmgren, the best high school player in the country. It was those two, they were the top two. Uh, Chet Holmgren overtook him at some point, but those guys tend to go in the first round, usually. Now, this is a little bit of a unique situation, but I mean, in terms of a long shot, the odds for him were in the thousands, I believe, to go into the first round. And Monty uh, Bates is plus 5,000 to go in round one right now. 
So yeah, it's like it's like do I think it's actually going to happen? I think someone takes a chance of it probably the second round at this point, but if you're telling me I'm putting $1 on this bet, $1 and p- could potentially make 50 out of it, then why not? But some other players with like shorter odds that I'm looking at, perhaps Marcus Sasser, uh he's somebody from Houston who he was I saw him getting first round buzz and then sort of fell back and it's been on and off. And a lot of people didn't really know what to do with the players from that Houston team. Minus obviously Jairus Walker, of course, maybe he's someone to consider Amari Bailey, another high level, high level high school player went to UCLA, didn't really kill it at UCLA. So now his draft stock is taking a hit. Maybe someone takes a chance on him in the second round. I think he could slide into the first round as a talent bet. Luke mentioned Denver earlier uh, in terms of potentially getting Jordan Walsh. I think that's a team that can give an Amari Bailey a look just to add some talent late in the first round uh, and some other teams is there there as well. And then Julian Strother, who plus 1500, I believe right now, he is again, another, as you can tell, there's a trend here of what I'm looking at. I'm looking at guys who fit profiles of what NBA teams are looking for. Julian Strother, 6'7", one of the best shooters in this draft, full stop, can rebound for his position, is a big wing, uh, maybe has 3 and D potential if you if you think he could hold up defensively at the next level. Uh, Gonzaga obviously defends really well, so that helps in terms of amplifying his defensive pedigree. Julian Strother was mocked for a while in the top 20, 25, late first round range, even last year because he had tested the waters and then came back to school, and then this year obviously is staying in the draft. I think he can find his way back into the first round if someone bets on the shooting. Like shooters are guys that can find themselves late in the first round going into NBA draft. So I think that's a worthy long shot. Amani Bates, Julian Strother, those are sort of worthy long shots. And I really think Amari Bailey at plus 500 is a good number to find himself into the first round because NBA teams just like making talent bets when it comes to late in the first round and, and you know, in the draft overall. Yeah, Imani Bates at plus 5,000. I found it really interesting uh, with him because if you go back and look historically at every Gatorade Player of the Year winner, there's been 35 total, 36 total technically, but Grady Dick is going to go in the first round. You could include him if you wanted to. But of the 35 winners, only three have not been taken in the first round. That's a 92% hit rate. The last one that did not go in the first round was 2001, Kelvin Torbert, who was High school player of the year goes to Michigan State, ends up becoming more of a, a journeyman. Uh, but all it takes is really is one team. You know, we talked about Denver, but other contenders who would maybe just rather have cheap talent on their roster, especially with this new CBA that we're about to approach, where the the luxury tax uh, penalties are so harsh that having uh, like first round picks are essentially like gold in a way, especially for those contenders in the 20 to 30 range. I do love the idea as well for the same reason for Amari Bailey, who had a much better showing at UCLA, even though he was a little bit more outshined by guys like Jaime Jaquez and and others. But uh, Julian Strother, I think, is really enticing because I think he showed in the tournament that he could be a shot maker. Like He could come in and be able to not necessarily carry an offense, but not a guy who's going to be like, you know, a liability on the offensive side of the ball and seeing him as high as uh, 22 to one to be in a first round pick 15 to one as well. Right now at FanDuel, those are guys that I would definitely consider anybody that's over plus 1000 though. I think I would just offer this key disclaimer. Please just be careful with how you're betting these. Don't be putting like thousands of dollars or, you know, a full (laughs) unit bet on that kind of stuff. I mean, if you have the conviction and you have the money to use, go for it. But at the same time, those ones that were the long shot bets, 
I would still recommend maybe putting, you know, 0.1 of a unit, you know, something along those lines where you have a little skin in the game and you have a little bit yeah. of a portfolio to work with, but not necessarily something where that's what you're counting on to be able to make bank in this spot. Um, Luke, but if you, you know, if you know, hammer it, like, if well, you know, <laughs> like I'm saying, if you, if you can, if you can't get that amount, like a full unit on, cause a lot of people can't, but like, we're talking draft. Like if you have an Intel, if you know, like, Minus 5,000, you know something. Might as well be minus 1,000. Um, so, yeah. That yeah, was a, a, good, a good disclaimer. It was a great disclaimer. But, but I think that's a good counter, though. That's a good counter because information is key in this in this game. And but obviously, may, Luke, you're, yeah, you're I'm just playing. You, but really, just make sure you know if you know. Because like, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> for me, for me, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not somebody who's throwing. I'm not throwing yeah. a lot of units uh, on stuff in general because you know I'm. I don't like spending that much money on stuff, but I will bet. But listen, you, you, if you know, you better know <laughs> if you're going to put yeah. out a certain amount. <laughs> All right. Uh, Luke, do you have anybody that uh, outside of Jordan Walsh that you were considering maybe to crack the first round or are you good? Uh, a lot of the names that Brian brought up, I'm totally on board with the one he didn't, I would say like Andre Jackson, I think he's five to one right now, uh, which yep. he was after that Denver trade came out, O'Connor like tweeted like a list of like three or four names of like guys that are could benefit and catapult themselves into um the first round and Jackson was one of them um and he very much fits the same profile as Walsh in terms of like translatable traits um he's not a shooter like defense like he has all the intangibles you look for and I think at five to one that is definitely a fair bet and like Saucer as well is another one I like um but those would be like the two on top of the wash, I think, are where they've about at this point. Beautiful. Jackson also, like like Omax Prosper, made an impression at the Big East tournament because I remember talking to somebody at the Big East tournament. Uh, it was another reporter who said, "Yeah, he'll he's good. He'll probably get a two way." And <laughs> now we're talking about him potentially being in the first round because he that's when his sort of breakout started. Omax Prosper and Andre Jackson very similar rises. Obviously, Omax is. Almost he's minus a thousand again to the first round at this point. Like we're talking about him being top twenty, but Hawkins, uh, he's another uh, Jackson's another good one. Hawkins too, as a matter of fact, his teammate. He's probably going to go very early in this draft. But yeah, the UConn guys, there, there's some good, good numbers out on them. And I want to like harp that like these odds aren't real. Like they can't like there's no (laughs) there's no power rating for these where like. Jackson at five to one to go in the first round, like his true odds for, should probably be like 10 to one or higher. Yeah. Agreed. But based off of this market, like you take what you can get where like Omax opened at minus one ninety, Now he's minus a thousand. Like, I, like what is the right price? Like we, no one knows, honestly. And uh, at five to one, like given the market, you just kind of, that's like, that is technically quote unquote value where like his true odds should definitely be way higher, but relative yeah. to everyone else um that's value all right gentlemen i think we i think we covered it i'm gonna go over the picks again just for if, if we went over too fast i'll read them i got two more let me let me do yeah. two more fire away man let's go the uh i'm gonna go with to be picked sixth anthony black which i think is like plus 300 right now which kind of piggybacks off of asar going five where like the consensus mock is let's just say walker five and then asar six where if Asar is rising and he actually goes five, that definitely opens up the magic for Black, who, whether Asar goes five or not, like Black is definitely like live at six. 
um, which like his ceiling is eight, but I do think Asar going five like greatly increases the chances of Black going six if they don't trade. Let's just say, um, and he's just I don't know how much more he can rise, but he's one of the guys in the top ten that just has a ceiling of eight, and teams are rumored to be trading ahead of eight to get Black because he is the the guard that is probably the number one. Um, and then my other one is Keontae to be drafted before Jordan Hawkins, which Keontae is plus 155 right now, which if Jordan Hawkins was plus 155, I'd be giving out Jordan Hawkins. Um, so this is like a true value bet because Keontae is definitely one of the followers where he's been projected in the lottery for months. And then based off of workouts, et cetera, he's fallen into even the twenties in some mock drafts, but the guys that I respect, there have been a couple that have him at 13. There are rumors that the Raptors even have a promise to Keontae, which is over under is 13 and a half. Um, and they're just refusing to budget no matter how many people bet the over. But Keontae's range is just, he can, his range is wide enough that he can jump Hawkins easily. Where Hawkins to me is, his range starts at 16 and then it's anywhere after 16. And Keontae is probably 12 or 13 anywhere after that. And at plus 155, which a couple weeks ago, he was minus 200. Um, so you're, you're really like the same thing that happened with Walker. The odds flipped and it has created value on Keontae, no matter how bad his stock is falling. I still think his range makes it worth a bet. Yeah, you're banking on a, uh, a really touted freshman uh, from Baylor against arguably the, the best shooter in the draft in Jordan Hawkins. And I found it to be really interesting that you mentioned uh, the Raptors because... I think so far, based on reporters that I follow that are close to the situation, I think they've made like three first round promises. Well, they're like Keontae George, yeah. Jordan Hawkins, Jalen Hood Shafino. Like, you know, so, like right now, like I'm not really sure what information to trust at this point, but I do like the number of what you're saying here now as, as it has transitioned, where it's almost become uh, too much now in favor of Jordan Hawkins at this point, especially where he is being currently mocked. Gentlemen, I think this is it. I'm, I was just going to go over the picks again, just to make sure that we're all up to date on what we've got so far. So Brian still like Jairus Walker at the fifth pick at plus 200. You like Bilal Koulibaly at top 10 at plus 210. Grady Dick at top 10 at plus 300. Not as much, but again, maybe a little sprinkle for anybody who wants a little bit of action. Um, Omax top 20 at plus 110, along with Chris Murray in the top 20 at plus 430. And then my favorite market, the first round pick market, you like Amari Bailey, at five to one and Julian Strother at 15 to one in the range of 15 to 22 to one. And Luke, you would just, yeah, all absolutely. They have to be sprinkled. Yeah. 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 (laughs) And then Luke, you were like in the first round, you're like uh, Jordan Walsh, uh, Andre Jackson, both of those in the five to one range, four to one, five to one range as well, along with Keontae George now to be taken over Jordan Hawkins in the first round. And Anthony black, Anthony black, who, Brian did have last week to go fifth overall at the Pistons, and he was sitting around plus 3,000. Right now, he's about plus 1,000 to go fifth overall to the Pistons or maybe another team that potentially could trade up because Anthony Black's name is definitely rising as we get closer just based on the talent alone. All right, gentlemen, that'll do it for the Action Network podcast presented by FanDuel. I'm Jill Gallant. I want to thank both Luke and Brian again for joining me today. And if you want to hear more about NBA draft betting, make sure to check out the Buckets podcast with Matt Moore and Brandon Anderson. And also make sure to download the Action Network app for picks and content on NBA draft betting. Bon chance.
Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.